and welcome to Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're joined by a special guest. Jimmy. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> and today we're going to talk a little bit about um, the Matrix Revolutions. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, on this podcast, we're we're basically just a, a Matrix podcast at this point. We're, all we talk about is movies and then the Matrix. <laughs> Video games is in the distant past, unless I'm complaining about, like, wow arguments I get on Reddit. <laughs> for five minutes you know that's like a mainstay of the podcast but that's it that's all we got no so today's episode is about the matrix revolutions it is the third in our you know podcast trilogy you know obviously two weeks ago we did the matrix then we did reloaded um and now it's time for revolutions ending the the original trilogy came out in 2003 um to uh thunderous booze everybody hated this everybody hated the the back two of of you know the matrix trilogy um but we we quite liked reloaded we were both very positive about reloaded last week so i'm very interested to hear like where this will um where this will come down before we do any spoiler stuff uh do we just want to talk like an overview what is your what is your high level no spoiler sort of takeaway before we even get into that um just a little bit of business up front Next week is the 300 episode spectacular. Send in your questions. That's true. Um, Sundersplaygames at gmail.com or podcast.sundersplaygames.com. Feel free to join in live at the Twitch stream and uh, ask questions there. Um, by tradition, we will keep going until uh, all questions are answered. Uh, so, yeah, um, here's that. But back to the episode content. Jimmy, since you're the guest, do you want to give your pre spoiler high level thoughts first? Is Jimmy frozen, frozen for you? Jimmy's frozen for oh, me. Okay, he's frozen. <laughs> I want you to know, it's actually pretty funny because he's looking directly at his camera. camera. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I thought he was just like waiting for me. <laughs> right. Okay, so, you know, I, I guess while we wait for, for Jimmy to reconnect and figure, figure his shit out, I just want to say, um, I have to say I was a little disappointed in the Matrix Revolutions, but like I wonder how much of that is just like the burden of expectations. What what really happened is, you know, over the course of this, right, I went into the the original Matrix and I was like, whoa, this is like better than I remember. And it is like really like this is the masterpiece i understand how this changed cinema right and then i wanted to reload it and i was like oh my god this is so much better than i remembered right because a lot of the stuff that i remembered we talked about this all last week were you know like problems that people had complained about things that folks had said didn't work for them or were problematic or you know sort of whatever else um and i was sort of hoping for a similar effect in revolutions and to a certain extent there is a little bit of that um i do think that it is better than bad this is still a kind of average like fine movie um it has flaws but it also has cool stuff and it does some stuff uh pretty well and i would quarrel with some of the kind of like you know hot takes that people tend to have about the matrix revolutions but ultimately it is a little bit of a of, of a wet noodle kind of um kind of ending it doesn't hit me in the same sort of like you know epic three act trilogy closer that other big trilogy closers have hit me 
in that same way, right? Like, you know, Revenge of the Sith came out around that same time where obviously Return of the King was that same year, right? Like these are movies that do kind of uh, pay off the, the trilogy that they are a part of. And um, and I felt like Revolutions kind of missed that momentum and didn't have that same um, kind of climactic ending. Um, so that's kind of my high level overview of where I'm at when it comes to Revolutions. What about you? Yeah, um, I'm going to say that, like, I'm probably a little more positive on, on it than you are. Like, the fight for Zion, I remember being, like, absurdly long, and it wasn't as long as I remembered it being. Um, like, I kind of uh, uh, imagine it, um, kind of remember it, or not remember it. Like, I, I almost felt like it was, like, half the movie from my memory, but it's, it's less than that. Um, I also had a greater appreciation for just kind of, like, the technical design, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, the design of, like, I didn't think, but something I thought was was lacking in Reloaded was really cool and interesting machine designs. I think we got that in space mm-hmm. in this movie. And we also got yep. a lot in the first movie, right? Like, the Harvesters, I thought, were a really good example of that. Um, and I think we got a lot of that in this movie, which is good. Um, I will say that I think that, um, uh, uh, that the, like, I didn't think it was as interesting philosophically as the second movie. Um and also like like the whole like the whole resolution just feels kind of like meh if that makes sense right like i don't know i i feel like this kind of like basically what i said last time is like these movies don't make like like none of the Wachowski films make any sense if you really think about them type of deal i feel like that's extra true for this one um interesting uh, See, I do think that it has a little bit of like the the philosophical stuff in here, right? It kind of presents a real resolution to like the kind of like the choice and free will stuff, um, which is nice. And I do like on a just like sort of a thematic level the way you know one of the nice things about Reloaded is it is the the world past prophecy, right? Because in a way, the climax of Reloaded is uh, that the prophecy is a lie. You know, the one is an invention of the machines, all this other sort of stuff, right? Where do you go from there? Um, if you are Neo, if you are, if you are Morpheus. And I kind of like, I like that it carries forward from that moment in a, you know, in a compelling way with some real stuff to say. And that's, that's cool. That's great. Um, but ultimately I, I sort of think that it just doesn't have as much on its mind, right? Like the thing that I think really sold reloaded to me was that sort of like back and forth nature of like the Oracle is talking about free, free will. And then the Merovingian is giving the counterpoint to that. Right. And and like, you are having those sorts of dialogue. There just like, wasn't a lot of that. It felt like in revolutions, revolutions was much more concerned with just the plot level business of, you know, can we do you know can we get to zion can we do uh you know i don't know a bunch of different stuff right yeah the, the only the only the big exception to this and this is also my favorite i think part of the trilogy is the um uh why mr anderson why speech at the very end um i do love that yeah, yeah. so you know what that's spoilers territory technically um so we're gonna probably move into that pretty quickly um i have been in touch with jimmy he said he will be back. He said in close to 15, like five minutes ago. So hopefully Jimmy will be back soon and uh, we will get his opinions at that point. But um, let's dive into some stuff. Before yeah. That. So the, the, the fight with Smith was simultaneously better than I remembered. I, I had this memory that it was just kind of a slug fest, right? That yeah. they were just beating the shit out of each other. And that was, that was it. 
Uh, there wasn't really anything else going on. That was wrong, right? Like on a philosophical level, this is where the film is resolving the issue of free will, right? Where Neo truly chooses to have free will and make choices of his own volition because he isn't following prophecy, right? He isn't, um, you know, he isn't like bound by determinism, right? And eventually the movie ends with him doing the thing that the, the architect asked him to do at the end of the second movie, which is rejoin, you know, the one merges with the source to reboot the matrix, right? Um, but he does so by essentially holding that process hostage for the machines until they give in to his demands and you know set set people who want to be free from the matrix free right that's the that's the revolution free will does exist in the matrix neo does actually have the power to choose and he does choose to do this you know and is not you know like this is his real this is his climactic moment why do you persist because i choose to that's 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 the you know the underpinning so that stuff actually does work and i like it quite a bit the fight itself i think is pretty bad and I think part of this is also more Seinfeld effect stuff that we were talking about, right? Like next to Man of Steel, which I think is a very similar sort of uh, blueprint of a fight in the sense of these are two superpowered beings who are hitting each other, you know, with very hard. like huge amounts of force. The, the, the fight between Smith and Neo just feels like it doesn't work visually to me. Um, I think probably because it's trying to skirt the line between like the kind of hand-to-hand -hand kung fu stuff, wuja stuff that has been happening in the first two movies versus the just like the raw power Superman kind of level stuff that it is doing in this fight. So the actual action of it really fell flat for me um, this time. It, so uh, on a similar note, I think it, I think it might be less kind of like you know, direction and more technological limitation. Cause like I felt that the, the, the big fight, like the big, like Superman fight thing, if you're talking about was, was all the CG stuff, right? There were clearly times when it was like, you know, them standing on a stage with the green screen background and doing like real fights versus like, okay. CG versions of them. Um, and do, and, uh, and like doing the big Superman stuff. And there were a couple of neat effects, right? Like the big water sphere I thought was cool, but yeah. like, that also kind of felt like a, and we could do a big water sphere because that's the limit that we can push our technology to, right? Like we can do all these reflections or whatever. Um, in a similar way, I actually kind of wonder if in like, you know, 20 years, we'll watch, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, Star Wars 16 and be like, and be like, and you know, that was pretty like, you know, or, you know, we'll, we'll rewatch, you know, the, the DC universe be, and be like, you know, Man of Steel was okay, but nothing compared to Star Wars 16, right? Like, you know. Um, yeah, I definitely think that's true, right? Like, I think Man of Steel is sort of the, is sort of sitting on the shoulder of the Matrix revolutions in terms of this stuff, right? Um, because there's a lot of stuff in revolutions that I think of as stuff that Man of Steel codified, right? right. So for instance, you know, um, the bit, you know, like the very long wide shots of just the two dots as they are kind of colliding and the force of that collision, that's something that Man of Steel has that all over the place, right? And it is supposed to impart the, like the, the, the tremendous power and impact that these human beings wield, right? Like these godlike beings like wield. The thing that I think revolutions flubs at is what happens is, you know, in Man of Steel, when Superman punches Zod, it is all happening on that level, right? 
even if they are, even if they come down for some like normal sort of hand-to-hand fisticuffs or whatever, that stuff ends pretty quickly because as soon as somebody actually lands a punch, they go they go flying, right? But what the revolutions does is they get tangled in this like ball of limbs that just kind of is suspended in midair and they're they're punching and kicking each other. But it's like, how can you guys, you know, Smith or I'm sorry, Neo punches Smith so hard that he does the thing where you know like he cracks into the concrete and makes like a huge skid mark or whatever right how can you be punching somebody that hard and then in in midair you're doing you know fight scene kung fu stuff and nobody's moving around they're just hovering in midair kind of rolling and tumbling or whatever i thought that's the, the that is the core dissonance that's the core disconnect um that ultimately made revolutions like not work on that level uh just like on that action level for me i also think that there's like a there's a question of wouldn't it be or not wouldn't it be but like something that man of steel does that's cool is invest in the powers of both beings at the at the time right like a big turning point in the fight between superman and zod at the end is zod figures out how to fly right and he talks about it he says you know like i I, you know you were raised by farmers i was raised by soldiers right it is my job to learn this shit immediately and that's part of upping the stakes where it's like oh god he is figuring out how to like manifest these powers better than me and i have to finish this fight immediately whereas in the matrix the core power that Smith has, this cloning stuff, having a million copies of himself, is completely un unused, which just feels like a uh I don't know. It just feels dumb. I don't I don't like that. Uh and I wish that there was some I don't I don't really know what you could have done. Like maybe at a certain point that's just you're written into a corner and you just have to go, well, Smith and Neo 1v1 because we're not gonna do a repeat of the fight that we just did in reloaded. Um but there's something about like the the setup that never gets paid off and how they're not really interacting on like the powers level that I think makes the makes the fight scene not work. Yeah, I I I, I might agree with you there. Like them fighting one on one is a little bit in service of the narrative, right? Like in terms in the main theme, which is like, you know, we are fighting one on one because I have foreseen the future and I know how this is going to end. Um and he's right, right? Like he beats him one on one. Um, uh, just to kind of bounce off your, your last point too, or your last point too, is I, I, not only do I think that like, um, Superman or Man of Steel rather is standing on the shoulders of the Matrix Revolutions from like a compositional standpoint, which is what I'd say you're talking about. Also just from like a, a raw technological standpoint, right? Yeah, something, sure. so, something I'll talk about a little later is, um, uh, the game awards, um, with, along with the game awards, there was a release of the Matrix Awakens, which is like this tech demo. Um, and I'll go into more detail later, but like. The the kind of like pre-rendered cutscene for that um for that looks like they try and do more with it so it ends up coming off a little bit worse, but like parts of it look better than this movie do. Right? Um which is crazy, right? But that's that's yeah. how far games are now, right? Like that, like you can live render this stuff instead of having, you know, um and so I think I think in, in that case, in addition to like the compositional stuff, like the ability to to make these like, I bet you part of why they didn't do a bunch of clones is because um in like doing like a big aerial fight is because that would have been too much to render, right? Yep. Like um like you could you could see it not doing great in the last movie, right? Like 
Um, and that was like relatively small numbers in a closed space, not trying to do these big kind of aerial things. Um, geometric shapes hold up a lot better over time because it's easier to, it's easier to, to render sharp edges. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, you know, something that we hear about in these movies from the 2010s, right? Like Avengers famously for the third act of the Avengers, they literally just made a, you know, they, they made New York city, right. In, they rendered a, a version of all of Manhattan well, not all of Manhattan for this, where the fight scene happens around Grand Central Station, right? They just, they rendered all of that in a machine, right? So that the, the, they could essentially just choreograph the whole fight in a computer. And I don't think they, that, that capability existed, you know, whatsoever. Buddy, um, buddy, what? what does it say that we're, we're, we're having fights inside of a rendered version of New York City? It's almost <laughs> like it's the Matrix. <laughs> Yeah, it is almost like the Matrix. But like I said, <coughs> even though that stuff didn't work for me on a on an action level, uh, on on the kind of like a character and like subtext level, I think that it actually does a pretty good job of paying off all of this philosophical stuff that is kind of winding its way through the series. Ultimately, I think it's a little too simplistic in a way, but I but I don't really fault the movie for that. Like you can't just like in a certain in a certain sense, I think there's room to do more of that stuff and to ask these more complicated questions in the first and second movies because they don't have to wrap up all of these loose ends. Um, but Revolutions had just like a ton of plot stuff that they had to pay off, right? right. That they had to finish out. So really, it kind of felt like the only place where there was room for philosophical ruminations was just like um morpheus talking to uh commander Locke, right because commander Locke is a non-believer morpheus is a believer and he says that even though the prophecy isn't real i still believe in it they have a little conversation about that um the the conversation between neo and the oracle before the oracle gets absorbed by smith so you know they just kind of have another back and forth where Frankly, I think this is the least interesting of the three conversations they have over the course of the movies. I think Reloaded is the best version of them. Um, and uh, and then, obviously, the final confrontation with Smith himself, right? Where all of this stuff is sort of... Uh, the questions themselves are answered here in that moment where Neo says, because I choose to, right? Because he is he has truly broken free of not just, you know the the plot level limitations of the system but also the thematic limitations of the determinism that they that the movie is grappling with is there free will is the world deterministic neo proves in this moment quote unquote proves thematically proves no there is free will he is choosing right um and he is choosing to to persevere um so you know and that stuff is like a that's like a b plus right whereas the other movies were like a's if that makes sense yeah uh, it, it gets the job done but it's not particularly impressive yeah i mean i think maybe if like you consider reloading revolutions as like one movie it works a little bit better um just because like you can you can front load a little bit more like it, it, on that four hour track front loading a little bit more of that that philosophical stuff excuses a little bit more if that makes sense um yeah especially since I feel like I feel like when we talked about this, like there's the big highway scene in Reloaded, but like it kind of like 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 you said, you forgot about it, right? Like it it falls like like Reloaded, you definitely remember for the um 
for the for the philosophical stuff and revolutions for like the action stuff right like yeah um, yeah i mean even you know i actually think that the the i mean i i talked about i gushed about like the highway scene the highway scene is great and i still think is great um but yeah it it is functionally entirely on a plot level it is all about getting you know these characters from point a to point b without stumbling over the the various obstacles that are that are presented to them um a very similar thing is happening here with zion right where i think everything that's happening on zion is also just a strictly plot level you know there's a little bit of character stuff like a tiny yeah. bit of character stuff in the sense of um uh you know there's captain mifune and the kid there's uh z and the girl who dies who's shooting the yeah, rocket launcher it's, it's mostly z right like the girl who yeah dies it's like is... yeah exactly it's like mostly z but all of that stuff is like really you know like there, there's a character arc to that in a sense right like the kid gets a legitimate character arc he gets to you know get in the thing save the day shoot the apu gun at the chain to open the gate to let the hammer through you know like all that stuff is cool it's a culminating moment or whatever but i don't think that it, there's really not a lot I mean, there's nothing really deeper going on underneath the surface. It is just in there to, you know, have cool stakes and a cool fight scene the same way that the highway scene was in there. Um, it, it, and it's, I it's, do have to agree with you that, by the way, that I thought that stuff sucked when, when I remember watching this the first time. But I think I have it has grown on me because, one, the plot mechanics work, and two, I was probably in the wrong mindset for it. My thing about Zion um, originally was that I think I was comparing it too much to, um, first of all, Attack of the Clones, which came out the year prior, and The Lord of the Rings, which, you know, like, uh, Two Towers and Return of the King, um, both came out in two, 2002, 2003. Those are movies that have much better world building, I would say, than The Matrix, right? In terms of just, like, cool shit on screen, right? You know, watching the attack on Geonosis. I, I think Attack of the Clones is the worst movie than all the Matrix movies, right? But the attack on Geonosis has all of this imagination, right? Like, the gunships and, um, you know, the ATTEs and the different kinds of clone troopers, right? And all this other sort of stuff. Just, like, on a pure world building level. That stuff is really, like, neat and unique. And I remember that there's this, like, frustration watching The Matrix Revolutions and all there are are Sentinels and APUs. And I guess the rocket launchers, if those even count. And, and just, drill. like... Yeah, oh, and the drill, right? Like, it's just, like, there's just, like, so much room to do cool and interesting things um i felt like uh that didn't they just didn't materialize right um they're apus they have guns the apus are cool i actually like the apus quite a lot they're they're mechs that's sweet uh but they have guns and they just shoot forward they don't even shoot lasers they just shoot fucking bullets right like, and they don't and it's not know? even like they use them particularly interesting really right like just like four bullets into the, yeah. an endless stream of sentinels um might be another te technological consideration but I think part of this, though, um, is something that, 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 that kind of occurred to me as I was watching it is, unlike Star Wars, it feels like this was, like, the Zion scenes are almost supposed to be the equivalent of, like, a Pearl Harbor or, like, a Dunkirk, right? It feels, it feels like a, more like a war movie um, in, in those parts, right? Because it's, like, hmm. jumping from person to person, it's more about, you know, individual bravery of characters and, like, minor character arcs than it is about, like, any, like, broader theme because like the themes are kind of important by the history, except there's no there's no real history to import here, right? Like you know. okay, I actually do think I agree with this take. 
Um, and I think it's pretty smart. I, I actually do think that Star Wars does fit the same mold, right? You know, the the mechanics of a Star Wars battle are typically pretty similar to the mechanics of a, like a World War II movie or whatever. Um, so that's I think true. I agree with you on that level. No, um, I, you're definitely right about like the dogfights. Like that's like the famous comparison, right? Is that like yeah, yeah, yeah? It's like World War One dogfights. But in terms of like the thematic framing, I feel like they're they're different. I think maybe you get like, like following an ensemble cast kind of through the. Is yeah. that what you mean? Kind of, except, like, because usually the ensembles in Star Wars are, like, not all doing fight stuff, right? Like, they're not all, like, they're, like, doing, like, slightly different things. It, it just, it feels, like, it's not, like, all focused on, like, this kind of, like, the big war. It, I don't know. Yeah. There are also heroes in Star Wars in a way that there are not typically heroes in like a World War II movie, right? Like these are just sort of nameless infantrymen or whatever, which is sort of what you're getting in Zion with yeah, Z yeah. and um uh and the kid, right? Um and even to a certain extent Captain Mifune, who by the way might be my favorite fucking character. I love everything about Captain Mifune, right? <laughs> Yeah, but like that's like <laughs> that's, like how old are you? Eighteen. I would have believed sixteen. Oh well, then sixteen. You got to be eighteen to sign up. <laughs> that whole bit. I I paused the movie. I was laughing so hard because I completely forgot about it, but I thought it was great. Well, that's, um, that's like so straight I think out I of a war you. movie, though, right? Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so like you know, I you know, I signed up, and it's like I will, I will look the other way so you can serve your country or you know, Zion, right? Like, yeah. Um, but yes, I agree. I agree with you. Mufuni is great. Um, it is interest like. It is it is interesting to see that it all play out because it's like the familiar tropes, but in like you know weird mech battles in like you know and like you know World War Two obviously has like kind of like a set like you know because because the forces are all associated with like the the countries and like each country is kind of like monolithic with the exception of like America right like um like basically the interesting part to to me at least is like you know like it's an asian dude right like um and and whereas you don't get that kind you just don't get that kind of diversity coming out of world war ii right because it's you know it's a set historical conflict yeah i mean that's something that i quite like about the matrix right like the the matrix um i think puts a real center on sort of like I don't want to say like colorblind casting or whatever, but it feels very colorblind, right? Commander Locke is black. Morpheus is black. Niobe is black. It's just like, there's a very diverse cast um, in, in like Zion doing all of this Zion stuff. I think some folks have probably said like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some like YouTube video essay out there that is like, this is a, all, you know, all of the agents are white guys. And Morpheus and Niobe and Locke are black. Therefore, it's like a white versus black race allegory. I actually don't think it's that. I just no. think it's I just think it's colorblind casting, essentially. But I do like that quite a I, I do like that quite a lot. Welcome back to the cast, Jimmy. How's life? Dude, uh, <laughs> it's good. It's, good. it's uh, I'll, I'll tell the silly story of how my power cut out in the middle of that. It was, <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. I'm just watching. I'm like, like, you know, buddy's just going to, into like, oh, yeah. And today we're going to talk about. And then my like my second monitor just does like the like you know like old like cat like CRT thing like you boom, boom, boom. and I was like I looked around and everything was just fucking pitch black. Oh, man. <laughs> the funny thing was is when the power cut you were looking straight at the camera so I asked you a question and he didn't respond and we all I'm just so was like is he I'm, I'm, I'm everything so okay sorry. it's okay. <laughs> It's, it's fine. fine. So we've been talking about a bunch of stuff. So, so my high level, just to just to catch you up, my high level take on revolutions, right, is that I'm a little disappointed, right? I went back into the the original Matrix and I was like, oh man, this is better than I remember, right? I I the masterpiece. I I 
I get it. I'm with it. I'm back on board. Right. Then I watch Reloaded and I'm like, holy fuck, dude, there's so much stuff in here that I completely forgot about. And I love it so much. Like the highway scene, banger, end to end. Right. All of the philosophical stuff. I, it just like worked so well for me. And I was like, great. This is awesome. And then just, I watched Reloaded. Sorry, just to sneak in there real fast. Did, did y'all talk about how that highway scene? So, uh, you know that they built that highway. That yeah, they built it in the Mexico desert, right? Yeah, it's wonderful. I just yeah, I, I, the, like, the highway scene. Let's handle oh. like a setting. Like, let's just actually like just build this entire like mile and a half thing. And then because like yeah, there's a the uh, there's like um the uh, extended edition of the matri- of the matrices, I guess. And uh, you can see like you can see Carrie Ann Moss like training with the motorcycle to do those like dips and those dumps and like just like the, actually building the bridge and the entire sort of segment and like the you know, the trucks heading toward each other, the car, every car that's like flipped over it's just like a very nicely explosive it's beautiful that's the good shit yeah and so um and so then we entered uh revolutions and i was hoping a similar thing would happen but at the end of the day i kind of felt like uh revolution sort of fell flat i don't think it's a bad movie uh and it does better things than i remembered uh when i like when i watched this as a kid i remember really not liking revolutions i was i was like mad about it um i do think that it is better than that but it didn't quite hit me in that same like oh my god i forgot this like fucking diamond in the rough diamond in the rough <laughs> matrix one of the most popular movies of all time right <laughs> this diamond in the rough movie you guys right the matrix um <laughs> and that didn't quite that didn't quite hit me for uh for revolutions uh, uh what about you mango Mango, you're muted, I guess. Am I? Can you, Somehow, yeah. Can you, wow. I, you can you hear Mango? I, I I'm no. transmitting on, on. Oh, you know what? I must have hit a key. I'm watching Mango. him say. I'm watching. Can you lip lip? No, I I'm, I'm <laughs> transmitting over uh, <laughs> over. Uh, it, the, we go. the technical the technical limitations now? of. Uh, I can't hear you for some reason. Huh. Wait, can you oh. hear me? I can hear you fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am definitely. Well, this is really awkward. Transmitting over I'm promise the, that uh, if this doesn't get cut on the podcast, that we will. <laughs> so, um, wow, this is. This is we're watching Mango try and talk, <laughs> and I want to give him the opportunity to jump in, right? Like if he fixes his. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is oh, so, whatever. I'm, I'm gonna love the the test, 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 test. Oh, man. Just, uh... Yeah. Get okay, so wait, can, so can I want to back. Can up. you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah, All right. So, whack. <laughs> so the funny thing is, is I've been transmitting this whole time over the stream. Whoever's watching can definitely hear me. Um, so I'm going to talk through Discord on my my microphone or on my camera microphone, and record a stream on the regular microphone. <laughs> Playing my technical difficulties galore. Also, I want to point I, out. I can't. I, I can't wait to reshoot all of this with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to point out that, like, barring any other context, it looks like Jimmy left so that he could go to a background that matches ours. Because, you know, it's like... Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the blackboard! <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, 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 I'm not dressed for this. <laughs> uh, all right, but... Um, the big thing is, so I liked, I liked Revolutions not as much as Reloaded. Um, uh, the big takeaway was that, um, at least for me, was that I think if you watch it as a full thing, like Reloaded and Revolutions, one movie, it worked a little bit better. But, um, my favorite part of the, my favorite part of the trilogy is the, um, the final, the final speech, right? Like, why do you persist? Yeah. So like, the, we, we talked about that for a while. Do you, do you want, do you want to talk about it at all before we, uh, since we already yeah. talked about it a little bit? Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, so I, well, I guess I'll say my general take on the revolution. So uh, uh, kind of, kind of going, kind of going exactly what you said, buddy. So growing up, 
Um, and I, I guess actually hinted on this a little bit from when I heard from the, the first Matrix episode is that like y'all were like 11 or 12 when, the, when they started coming out. Yeah, I was so 13 I was like, when, when Revolutions came out. So I was like, you know, nine or 10 or something. So I didn't understand anything that was really going on. Like I didn't understand the philosophical context. I was just like, why are they moving so slow to dodge all these bullets? Like this doesn't make any sense. Um, and then I rewatched it in my teenage years, and that's when I was like, oh my God, wait, this is actually talking about like profound sort of like, yeah, again, philosophical questions, but also just this incredibly dope universe, this wonderful sort of like like uh, computer, uh, computer graphics, like this is amazing. Um, and so growing up then, like in my teenage years, I like the Matrix of Time, obviously it's just like paramount, absurdly, just absolute masterpiece of a movie to, and like, again, if you put it in the context of when it actually came out, it was just monumental, right? Um, and then it gets reloaded, and growing up, I it's so so incredibly like so much more than actually the the primer in the first matrix because it just seems so much cooler and i and my my i guess my stance on that has always been like reloaded so like the matrix of course it does an amazing job introducing to the universe establishing like you know you know you get introduced to morpheus like who the hell is trinity like what is the matrix what is going on and then my take has always been that reloaded asks all right well, why, right? Like that's like the first thing Neo says, right? Like he goes in, yeah, he can beat the he can beat the socks off of every single agent. He can fly in the air and like you know they're freeing minds left and right. But like, what does this all lead to? Like, why? Why now that he is the one? Like, kind of like, what does he do as the one? And then you get into you know the the absolutely lovely scenes we've already talked about. The entire I, I reloaded is probably still my favorite because of just like the progression of all the scenes. That's really um, interesting. So reloaded is the favorite for all three of us at that point, right? Which is. Yeah, which is not what I would have expected because everyone talks about the first one. And I do think that the first one is better than Reloaded because it doesn't have a couple of the problems that Reloaded does, but it just doesn't tickle my my brain mm. in the same way. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say another biasing point here, and I hope that you guys will believer this and some of the other casts is that I, the, the score, the soundtrack to these movies are absolutely beautiful. And I would thoroughly recommend, just as an album, go listen to the Matrix Reloaded album. You're gonna love it. Like, it's interesting instrumentals from Rob Dugan and Juno Reactor, and uh, and like so basically whenever we when we get to the chateau, like you know like when you first like they go to the Merovingian and they got the keymaker and they like start heading over there. Monica Bellucci helps them. From that scene until the end of <laughs> the highway scene, is a, just absolutely absurd. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful music. It's beautiful fight scenes and just like an amazing progression of action. Okay, sorry. I, I can gush about the reloaded a little bit too much. I'll get to Revolution. So, growing up, I didn't like Revolutions. I was like, this is, yeah, we don't like, you know, the first one's obviously monumental. The second one's so cool. And then the third one, we don't really need to talk about. So, I remember, as I remember, that's what I used to say. And it's because I think um, Revolutions actually, I think, has, well, no, it definitely has the shortest time in the Matrix. A lot of it, a lot of Revolutions is actually just humans dealing with human things. And my major comment on it is that, so now as I watched it, I watched it, I watched the trilogy like three or four years ago, and that re-sparked my absolute, like, <laughs> me being enamored with them and praising them. Um, we can maybe get into the, the philosophical aspect of, now I tell people that you know, the Matrix trilogy upon this, this most recent rewatch has convinced me and established with me that I do believe in, in free will. And so we can get into that a little bit. But, um, but so then, so then, yeah, I always skipped on the revolutions because I was like, why don't I want to just watch, like, they're not going to spend that much time in the Matrix. The only times in the beginning were, like, you know, getting Neo out, talking to Oracle one more time. And then after that, it's a lot of human stuff, a lot of war. <laughs> and then at the end, the major fight. Um, and then, yeah, also, like, you know, Bane messing up with Neo and Trinity's ship. 
actually going to the machine world, which we can get into, I guess, a little bit, or the, the, the machine city. Um, and so now, upon rewatching that, uh, the lens I like to take about Revolutions is it's actually a movie specifically for the diehard fanboys. Because there are too many, there are so many, I'm going to put, I'm going to say callbacks or just like, you know, like little, uh, what, East, I guess Easter egg might be the right term for it in many of the opening scenes and then travesty within the human portions. And so in the beginning, one, I mean, all the, all the intros basically kind of start around the same kind of ordeal, right? The intro on, on, Rev, on Revolutions that I just love is that, one, I think that it's super cool that they shot both these movies, you know, back to back. Mm-hmm. They got to that point. They're like, all right, like, you know, shooting is done for Reloaded, but like Keanu, you know, we have another eight hours on. Like, let's do the first couple of scenes from Revolutions or whatever. Um, and so in the beginning, everything is so tense. <laughs> Every single line needs to be so powerful and people need to move. Like the, like the, the, the captain of the hammer, like his first couple of lines are just like, I want like, you know, two, I want us on the lowest number of pads necessary to keep us stable. We need to be in transmitting sort of positions. I need three gunners on at all times and we need to be consistently checking on band. And also let me get vitals on the end. And it's like, just like nobody has any possible second to waste anybody else's time because the hours are against us. And that's when, and I, I, you know, I just, I do love this in the, you know, the, the general theme, general aspect of many of the other podcasts that are, I need a movie with stakes. And it seems <laughs> like everything is on the line, right? Every human is kind of gather, again, gathering together and being like, this is again, our Armageddon, right? This is like, like the machines are burrowing. We have less than, and that's what's so interesting, right? Like the news of the machine attack and the drills comes in reloaded in the middle and they say, oh, okay, we have 72 hours until they've reached the hole. And now we're starting revolutions and there's nine hours and, or, or, or whatever. And then that's when, you know, I, 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 okay. So then where are like kind of like, I guess some of the Easter eggs in there. So you, you start off the movie um, as you, as we go into the matrix the first time, like with Seraph and meeting up with like uh, with, with Trinity and Morpheus, sure. the, the music as they're entering the like crazy kind of night scene is uh, is a song, Beatles song, Tetsujin. And it's like a direct callback to the music that Seraph, that, that, that they use um, uh, when Seraph first meets with Neo. It's like the same kind of bongos. Same kind in the of tea themes. house? In the tea house, exactly. Yeah. And that song is called Tea House. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> then, then we enter the we enter the, the nightclub, right? And so then, you know, oh, we're going down to this level. There's going to be many men. That pillar scene is a callback to the bank scene. You're, we're doing we're doing like very very similar things, similar kind of flips, like you know, shots going off on on, on the pillars, like blah blah. blah. And, but then they not only like you know are like, wow, remember when you all really loved this? We're bringing it back with a different kind of spin, right? Now, now we have like vampires. That can walk upside down and like go and do this, all this crazy stuff. At the end of that, oh well, you know, Trinity is driven by her insane, absurd, like maniacal love for Neo, so she's willing to go in there and literally kill fucking everybody who's getting in her way. And so, what does she do to cap off the fight? Oh, the kick from the first movie. Oh yeah, against the guy who's the upside guy, down. The guy's upside down, and she just raises up, does the pause, <laughs> and will pow right into the wall. <laughs> And, it, yeah. and, and and so as you're watching, you're just like, oh my god, like this is beautiful. This is so wonderful. It and rhymes like poetry. It rhymes like poetry. So yes. I, actually, I, you know, it's interesting because I think that nightclub scene is maybe something that kind of hit me the least. But like now that we're talking about it, I liked it quite a lot. I remember the thing that I the thing that I really liked about it 
when we most recently watched it, it was I was like, I forgot about this eyes of the oracle thing, right? Where they go to the Merovingian and he's like, I will let you cut, you know. And the Merovingian is great. He has that, he has that personality, he has that swagger or whatever. And then he gives them the fetch quest, and Trinity is like, No, I will fucking shoot you. Like <laughs> so, <laughs> so so interestingly, I actually have a like a in, in terms of Easter egg points right like we were talking about in the matrix right or i was talking about how like i thought there was a lot of stuff that mirrored some star wars stuff like mm. the thing that immediately pops in my mind is the indiana jones scene where like you know like the sword he does the sword thing and then Indiana jones just shoots <laughs> yeah. him right it's basically the same thing right like i mean I, I feel like you can definitely see like like the influence of those movies right of star wars of indiana jones of like kind of like the big blockbusters of that era yeah mirrored into this trilogy uh, uh, a lot. Um, and I don't have much more to say about this. I just like, it just seemed like the right time to talk about this. We were talking about the nightclubs. Um, so, so three things on it. One, again, the nightclub scene and the universe, like I don't, I didn't realize that I love just like that kind of like electronic music and people in like a bunch of bondage and latex, like dancing around like wild fools, but I love it. I just love it. Like that's exactly the vibe of the, of the club that uh, when Neo first finds Trinity, like the exact same thing. And so I think it's actually, it's really funny, but it also fits really well of how, so, you know, Seraph, Seraph, Trinity and Morpheus are back to back with their guns pointing out everywhere. And it looks hilarious because they're just circling each other, like going into the middle of the club, but they also look like they exactly fit in, like they're supposed to be there. Um, but uh, uh, second thing was that the Merovingian, I think, is my favorite fictional character. Wow. Whoa. whoa. Interesting. I, I, okay. Interesting. I, I love <laughs> I love how flavorful he is. And I love his the little, the little like silly things about him. I love his entire talks about causality, cause and effect. I don't know if you guys talked about how he makes a dessert that makes a different orgasm. The orgasm kick. Life. Yeah, the orgasm kick. Holy for shit. For a long time, again, when I was a kid, I was like, what's going on? Why is she I have to say, this movie is way hornier than I fucking remembered. Like, holy shit. First of all, there are boobies all over this movie in a way that I I vaguely remember having to sneak into The Matrix Reloaded. I'm pretty sure I bought a ticket to Shrek 2, but the way that you got into rated R movies when, when, you, when you were a kid was you buy a ticket to one movie and you just go walk into the other theater, right? So we bought a ticket to Shrek 2 that was like 45 minutes before The Matrix Reloaded. And then I think we played it like the arcade that were in those theaters at the time, right? And then we just walked into The Matrix Reloaded. We watched like The Matrix Reloaded. Um, but yeah, even the even like the goth nightclub, like there was some like hardcore like BDSM shit in there. And I was like, holy fuck. Always. Like the the, the, the dudes holding the, the guns behind Seraph Morpheus and Trinity's head. I don't think they can see them because they have those zipper maps on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> Um, but interesting. So the the fun part that uh, that you bring up, Mango, is yes, the the you know the the deal. And I like again, I just like everything he says kind of about it. Because he's like, okay, like you come here to make a deal. Like I know I have something that you. Want. What could you? What could you possibly have that I want? Right. And he goes he goes into his little his little speech. Like actually, there is something I want. There's something. And I I it took me until yeah my most the, the most recent trilogy watched to really hear these lines. But he goes like. Um, it like I want the eyes of the oracle, but it said that they cannot be taken; they must be given. And so I was like, "Oh, whatever." Like I guess you just legitimately want her eyes. But then I was, I guess, like, yeah. In my most recent video, I was like, 
no way, it's probably talking about like her vision, right? Like the fact that she can, you know, see the future, see the code, blah, 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 blah. And that and then the line, it cannot be taken, it must be given, is very interesting because you see later on that Smith is, you know, he's copying himself onto all these programs. And so he literally takes the eyes of the Oracle from her and becomes like, you know, that Oracle Smith. Um later on. We'll yeah, but you know how. that she gives it to him because that's part of her gambit with the architect right she's trying to empower smith to put pressure on the machines to make a lasting peace with humanity that's actually kind of clever i never thought about that before well yeah exactly that's that's kind of the whole fun right because then that gets to and yeah after after everything resolved but then that's what's i guess also kind of fun too right because then like the oracle fights neo and then at the end for some reason is like i know my decision i'm supposed to take here i'm supposed to stab him and have him turn to me and then of course like they all disseminate, which is again kind of. I don't really know how to wrap my head about that, but I feel like it's another thing of like Neo is consistently on his path to also gain the same kind of perspective and light on the thing, um, as, on light on the situation as the Oracle. And so he, it's as if he's being given her abilities to like see all the code and kind of be, you know, one with his entire environment. Whereas Agent Smith can't see past that. Has tried to take, you know, this this very vital essence of the Oracle. And like kind of like her, her overall being and again it, you know it, this power it cannot be taken it must be given well yeah so the interesting thing with the the ending of smith and neo is smith talks about the visions that he's seeing from the oracle where he says and then i say and then he said you know like it's all come to this neo right and he's like why would i say that which is interesting because smith never calls him neo he calls him mr anderson right like it's the whole point is that he refuses to acknowledge that neo is neo he that, that neo is the one or any of this other sort of stuff right like he is always mr anderson the guy who is locked into the machine essentially right um but i think that line and this might be a fan theory sort of thing. I think that line is the Oracle talking through Smith to Neo, right? Yeah. Like that's the that's the like the mind fuck moment, I guess. There. And so, and then that gets into yeah. So the resolves, right? And then just like you know, the Oracle's just laying there. You know, now peace has finally come, and it's because right, yeah, like uh, the architect when they when they reestablish the matrix, like you gambled a lot, right? Like you fucking she basically put the existence of both races on the line because um you know smith becomes his problem for the entire machine race and she yeah so i i do see i do see you saying that like yeah she needs to play on both sides right she needs to push smith to be so powerful that neo is the only what is the only answer to this plague that is him but in doing so she even like gives up herself gives up like her own sort of being allows herself to be copied well she probably also saw that as 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 Agent Smith would say, it was inevitable. Well, he also um, goes into it. He's like, he, he says, well, you see the future. That means, that means that you knew I was going to be here, which means that you bake these cookies. Did you know I was, you know, why didn't you leave, right? Like, why did you bake these cookies? Did you know I was going to throw them against the wall, right? Like, um, it's, I mean, it's just like the central question, right? Like, how does, how does, like, visions of the future like if you can see the future, how does that interact with the concept of free will type of type of deal? Uh, which is like a very classic, um, you know, theological problem, right? Like if if God is omnipotent, right? Like then how can you be truly said to have free will if He knows what's going to happen? Type of deal. Um, yeah, and it, it's just like a hard thing to wrestle with, right? Like, 
Um, and it's especially kind of like from like a plot perspective, like, like like the way that say like Dune gets out of it is that like you've got like branching probabilities moving forward, and like they can they can converge on on, on a certain point. Um, whereas here it's it's kind of like the classic version of like true omniscience, but somehow but like you know it's it's fuzzed around the edges so that like you never really get the full picture, and so you you can't really um like it, it the question's explored, but I don't I don't think that particular question is 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 particularly answered. Well, so I do think that the story comes down on the Oracle does not have true omniscience because, you know, the architect says that she played a very dangerous game and she agrees, right? Like she understands that she was really rolling the dice by empowering Smith and trusting that Neo was going to be strong enough to like beat him, right? And I think that that's part of, right, you know, when Neo says, because I choose to, that's sort of the, the thematic climax. That's the capstone where Neo actualizes the free will. This is something I talked about on the podcast before while well, your power was out, Jimmy. But like that, to me, the, it all leads to this moment, right? Where Neo truly embraces free will and actually does for the first time make a true choice in and of himself without, you know, being part of anybody else's control or anybody else's system or whatever, right? But I think that the Oracle... Th that necessitates, right, the thing that the Oracle says where she's like, you know, she says, like, I see a darkness coming and I don't know how it's going to end. Or I see a or I see like death spreading and I don't know how it's going to end. Right. Like that is because she's essentially saying, no, I don't know. Like, but Neo could fuck it up. Who knows, buddy? Like, and I think that that's like part and parcel with how, you know, the, the film kind of does come down. Even even though there are deterministic systems that can constrict free will, it does in the end exist through you know like Neo's climact big climactic choice. Angle, what were you gonna say? Oh, no, just because, so like this is this is actually funnily enough a major theme in Dune. Um, spoilers for uh, Messiah and Children of Dune here. Um, okay, which is that um, in kind of like the rearview rear mirror, Paul Muad'Dib's biggest problem is his prescience traps him because because he knows what the future looks like he like is he predicting the future or is he seeing a future and forcing himself to go down it because he's seen it right like is it is it like a self-fulfilling prophecy right um and the counterpoint here is that the oracle is in the same trap but like chooses to break free of it right which is kind of also i guess spoilers for god emperor of dune is is like um Leto's, um thing is he refuses to look into the future too often so that he's not trapped the way his father was um but like that that's you know it, it's it's the same kind of thing right it's just, just interesting that i happen to be reading through the dude series as we as we did this so, and it has very similar plot mechanics around yeah, like yeah. seeing the future time travel yeah 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 ex exactly um uh which we that's haven't gotten into in the dune movie yet but you know that'll be <laughs> in 2023 or whatever right yeah i mean like you you want to talk about like you know like reloaded and revolutions being like the weird sequels to, to matrix fucking messiah and children and god emperor and fucking you know heretics are going to be like something else if they ever get to those <laughs> oh i'm uh i'm driving back to to jersey for for the holidays and my plan is to listen to the dune audiobook and it's watch the movie because I've heard damn. amazing things from the, about the movie. Yeah. I, you um, know, honestly, those books are great for like I've like I've driven back and forth to Jersey for a fair amount, um, and just the Doom a lot of Doom books on the way. It's they're good for that. Um, so I highly recommend. Um, so uh, so to get back to a bit of the Oracle's like plan plan here and her and her you know, talking about um, uh, 
uh, the decision that she has to make, the decision that he has to make. So I, I, I love it, buddy. I love that. Yeah, he, you know, and and you know, as it's just it's it's yeah, it's poetry. It's beautiful. You know, as a, as Smith is just wailing and beating on Neo, and he just gets back up, and you can see right he. Hugo Weaving, I mean, he, what a beautiful, what an amazing actor. But you can see that he just can't parse, he can't understand. There's just no, there's no logic to it. It's just how how could you do this? Um, and so uh, I just love to get back to that like the 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 real pur- purpose, reason, uh, the real why of why that we're doing anything is because you know she really wants the end of the war, and. So that is actually where I think that she understood that Neo needs to be basically the bridge between the two civilizations. The like he's basically the peace treaty, right? Because mm. she's like she's saying that, you know, and, and and it's from the conversation with Neo, like we we, you know, me as a program, you as you as a human, together we need to end this war. We want the same thing. We want peace between both of us because this is just, this is, you know, un, I guess uncontrollable as like, you know, the machines are consistently having these crops and need to remake the matrix. And Neo is just continuously spun out as this anomaly that corrupts, you know, every, every iteration of the matrix. Um, and so I, I fully believe in, in, in true that, yeah, Neo is practicing free, free will towards the end. And like, and that is what separates him from Smith. That is what resolves the sort of kind of conflict. He does play the olive branch between humans and machines because, as kind of like that conversation with Counselor Han in in the second movie when they go down to the engineering deck, like we actually we do need each other. You know, one cannot exist without the other. And although the architect, of course, is very stoic and says like, "Oh, we're willing," you know, so grave, we're willing to accept certain levels of survival if like if need be, um, but. This, the, I guess like the, the, the end of that sentence I always like, I like to add is that Neo practices his free will to fulfill the destiny laid out. And See, I, that's the thing that I think is interesting, right? Like Neo does the thing that the architect predict, like predicts he's going to do. He joins the source, right? So in a certain sense, you could say it's deterministic, right? But I still think that it's not because the architect thinks that Neo is going to bond with the source in his office room, whatever that room is or whatever. And, and I love that. So, because that's, you know, Neo starts getting these visions and he, you know, he starts seeing the door, the door to go to the architect. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, if you lead, it leads you there. And then again, problem is choice and like, Typically, I guess, like, it's, it's fun because then, yeah, the mentions how Neo or how previous ones typically have a more kind of like general sort of like love for human race, right? And so they're like, oh my God, I can't be the extinction of my race. I'm going to go and listen to you. I'm going to go back to the source. Let's reboot the Matrix. Yeah, but the only thing Neo cares about is fucking Trinity. And, then, else and, so then, and so the Oracle tinkers and is like, oh, well, why don't we just make him go? like love this one person absurdly incredible so he'll go to the ends of the earth and that's when neo's like fuck you architect you say she's gonna die she's not gonna die i'm jesus <laughs> and he, he flies so incredibly fast to catch her and bring it out okay and then in revolutions like you, you know it's also weird like why can you know why can he sense the the, 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 the squids um why can he like you know force stop them and, and do all that kind of business. But then, you know, you're looking at his visions as he's like, you know, progressing the movie and being like, well, where do I need to go? 
um, and and it's all it's 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 still pointing back to the source, right? He's just showing he's he's just being shown another map, um, and and then he does go back. He does get like his code kind of reinserted into the matrix. It's just that this time it's on I guess like his terms and in agreement with the machines, and can finally consolidate a form of peace between and end the war between humans and robots, which is yeah, what we all wanted all the time. I think something that I was missing when I was a kid and I watched this movie was how important that first interaction on the subway is because it's the real, it's, you know, okay. In the very first movie, there's no humanization for the, for the robots. They are just faceless machines. You only see the Sentinels in the second movie. You get the Merovingian. You figure out that the Oracle is a program. You, you meet the architect, right? So I, I, will, I will, I will point out that you're not completely right. Like Smith does get some characterization. It's all discussed. Right, but okay, it's like yeah, it, 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 it okay. is an emotion that is not like purely rational, right? True, because anyway, he is feeling real hatred and contempt. Yeah, I mean, my thing is that I think that is what breaks Smith free from otherwise being part of the machines, right? Like his just raw hatred for everything that the humans like possess is the thing that makes him unique and this cancer um, that threatens the that threatens the Matrix in the first place. But that's that's a little bit different. Um, the th the second movie introduces us to a lot of human faces with with you know programs, right? You get the key master, who is basically just a MacGuffin, but he's such a nice guy. You know what I mean? Like you just want to take care of him. He's he's so, and then he dies, and it's so sad or whatever. And so you, okay, well now I'm starting to feel some real empathy for the machines. And then Neo goes and he has this conversation in the like the purgatory subway tunnel, whatever limbo, with the kid, the kid and the last party. exile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of that, I thought, was perfect. Because this is when it's like, oh, okay, we are kind of fully on the other side of this now, right? Like, programs and the machines are fully worthy of our empathy and are worthy of emotions like love that, you know, Smith will later go and say that humans, you know, it's this insipid thing that humans invented or whatever. No, 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 no. Even the machines feel love in and of themselves, right? Like this is something that permeates past the consciousness of just the humans and into the, the kind of emergent consciousness of the machines. And I think that that's a really interesting and like, like foundational point to what makes the matrix, the matrix, right? Is like growing to learn to empathize with the enemy so that you get away from this kind of, um, you know, we've talked about this before, but like sort of the stormtrooper problem, right? Where like in the original Star Wars trilogy, the stormtroopers, you just fucking kill them. Who cares? They don't have personalities or lives. But then in episode yeah. seven, you meet Finn and oh, he's a stormtrooper, but he has a heart. He has feelings. You know, his buddy dies, splashes blood on his face or whatever, right? And then, but the movie also expects me to want to kill stormtroopers, you know, without any, without any issue from that. And it's kind of like, that's a little bit of a tension that exists. And the Matrix actually is sort of doing the opposite of that, where it just progressively humanizes the machines until eventually the rev resolution of the whole thing is reconciling. Uh, and kind of creating a synthesis with the machines rather than, you know, continuing to to fight until either side is sort of like pushed into oblivion, which I just think I think all that is great. I love every second of that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even, even Agent Smith, his final his final line is I think it's his final line is, is it over? Right. Like a desperate. Is it over? Right. Like a very mm -hmm. kind of you know, emotional. Is it over rather than like a very cold, rational, you know? Unlike the architect, who is like un 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 unfeeling and rational to the end, right? Like, what I, am I, a human? I love the architect. Uh, <laughs> I love the architect so much. The architect. I love the architect using those weird ass words that nobody uses, like um, 
uh oh god i'm trying to think like in his speech he has all of these like weird and it, it feels like i'm talking to somebody like 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 a logic professor or something right like ergo you know like uh, that kind of stuff and that's what everybody made fun of him you know that's what everybody made fun of about the movie at the time which i thought was funny but now i think is a little mean-spirited right like yeah i mean the architect's basically a reddit poster Uh, (laughs) what a reddit poster imagines they are not (laughs) It's like a Rick and Morty fan. You, know, you actually have to have a really high IQ to understand the jokes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So a, a hypothesis I laid out two episodes ago was, and I don't know how much I think this is true anymore, but I remembered thinking this at the time was I th- thought that it was technically Trinity who chooses the one, right? Because the Oracle prophesizes that Trinity is going to fall in love with the one. Neo fucking dies. And then Trinity makes out with him and brings him back to life, right? And in that moment, she has done the crucial thing, right? Of choosing to love this guy. And that love imparts upon Neo the powers of the one. That is when he he becomes the one. He, you know, he comes fucking back to life or whatever. I don't true i think that is anymore yeah, no, oh okay i was okay yeah i was gonna say uh but buddy do you, can, can you choose everybody you love <laughs> well so that's that's kind of the thing right like is how much free will versus deterministic kind of choice exists outside of like is all of the matrix predestined until the moment where neo says because i choose to right like you know or are there moments where people can break through right and so Trinity, for instance, maybe breaks through by choosing to love Neo and imparting upon him that power to bring him back to life. I remember thinking that was really clever when I said it three weeks ago, but it just sort of doesn't really hold up. Yeah, I mean, I, hope. I, mean I, I think there's definitely a theme that, like, you know, like the, the line from the first movie is, like, you know, being the one is, like, being in love, right? Like, there's definitely, like, an explicit tie there. Um, yeah. And when but, he first talks to the Oracle, the Oracle says he's not the one, right? And then there, there's that question of like, oh, is she just fucking she, with him or whatever? She said or that, she said that to put, like all the dominoes are falling in place in order for him to be the one, right? So it's like, exactly. You'll never you'll never get to like, well, what, what, what about when I push the first stop? It's like, yeah. we're ready. We're ready before that. Or we, either we're ready before that or we're, we're ready right in it. Again, it's it's the choice. But even, but I, even, but okay. I, I, think, so. I think the important part, though, is like recognizing that you have the power to choose and making a conscious choice. Because right? the, the the whole yeah. conceit of the Matrix is that they had to build in this imperfect world where people could make the subconscious choice, right? And the one is supposed to be the accumulation of kind of like all of those errors that they offload into one person. Um, because that's the, like you know you basically have to like you know the Matrix will hit a critical mass of errors. And then they'll reset, and then the one will come, and he will reset it, and then they can start doing it again until they have to garbage collect everything again. Um, yeah. So, um, but I but I think part of the Oracle's gambit, right, is the moment where Neo has a focused love for Trinity that is different than the generalized love for humanity, right? right. That's if I, if I'm the Oracle and I'm trying to break us out of this cycle of war, right, and I'm prophesizing all this other fucking shit. I feel like there is a part of that equation that is focusing Neo's love and attention onto Trinity herself, right? So that she can be that kind of fulcrum moment where Neo breaks away from what the architect plans for, you know, like plans for him to do, which I think that there is something to like to that. Um, 
And I also think that there's something to the fact that she gives prophecies to other people too, right? She prophesizes to Niobe that Niobe is going, or that that Neo is going to need Niobe, and in the moment she will help him, right? As she prophesizes to no, Morpheus she, that she prophesizes that he she will choose to help him or not, right? Like that that the choice is in her hands. That is that is another important true. point, right? Like that, um, that like a lot of these important things are like. Like, like this is this reflects, you know, kind of like Jimmy was saying, rhymes like poetry, right? Like, um, uh, Neo will choose to help Morpheus or not in the first movie, right? Yeah, like that's you know, true. It, it is up to these, like you know, it's not definite, but like the choice will be put before you, and you will have the, the have the choice to make. And I think there are a series of those also, right? Like the same thing happens for Morpheus. They go back into the Matrix in the first Matrix to go save Morpheus's life against everybody's recommendation, right? Like, you know, I mean, talking about stakes, right? Like in the, in the original Matrix, the stakes is just, there are three agents in this building. like. <laughs> but like that is also, uh, you know, that is also theoretically a choice that has been prophesized to them right um because she tells neo that he that morpheus believes so fucking hard that he will die for for right. neo um and so i maybe there's i don't know maybe there's an argument that like this is all this is all like 5d chess from uh, <laughs> from the oracle so, so I, th I think it's a bit of 5D chess, but ultimately, I, I, I think it comes down to just belief. And I think that's mm. an interesting kind of aspect because, like, they don't really touch on religion. Not directly, like, but there, well, is, there is so much allegory, right? Like, the Christ I mean, allegory, yeah. the Zen allegory, the... Yeah, yeah, I also think the Christ allegory doesn't quite work in this one, unfortunately. I don't... When I first saw it, and, like, I kind of, like, I don't really see it, but, like, that he was... He dies for our sins, guys. Well, so I, I actually, so, okay, I like Christ. I mean, dude, I love Zack Snyder. Obviously, I like Christ. I'm a Alan big Morris, Jesus right? fan. Right? <laughs> I'm a big fan of G's, of the big JC, you guys. But I just don't think that Neo, I just don't think that Neo really, um, especially because his, like, love is so focused on Trinity, like, I don't get the sense, right, like, okay, when Superman is doing it, I get it, because Superman does have this just generalized, sort of love for all mankind that he is willing to Which you know like sacrifice jc messian messian yeah right? exactly like, but like if world, yeah if if neo is explicitly tied to the life of this one woman and his and his love is personified in trinity right and he's basically willing to i guess let zion fucking die for you know for the chance to save her doesn't that make him not very much of a of a jesus figure i, I don't think and also, I, don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a clean allegory right like he's definitely yeah. a, a messianic figure um but I, I i would agree with you that he's it's not a very clean jesus christ analog um, yeah then like yeah like where, where does uh where, like where does agent smith and bane kind of fit into all of that too yeah, yeah i mean you know, even, I like i actually quite like agent smith's sort of satan story another story i'm a big fan of is the satan story right where you know like agent smith is kind of disillusioned with even his own side and just that you know that anger and that repulsion is what gives him uh sort of the power right like they talk about like it's the equation trying to balance itself as the one is getting overloaded with power as neo is mastering his shit agent smith is gobbling up his own power to kind of be like an equal opposite that's cool i'm on board for that sort of shit but i just so, love you know like agent smith's just like raw resentment and contempt for just like <laughs> like all the good shit in the world there's there's a youtube video and so i thought that yeah y'all bring up this like theory or whatever of uh 
um, how Neo is not actually the one. Agent Smith is the oh, one. Oh, yeah. I hate that, though. I don't think that's real. And I, I, and, I, uh, yeah, I don't. If, uh, yeah. If, if, you, if you type into YouTube or whatever, whatever explanation you're going to find online, it's wrong. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that it is interesting. Again, like the, I mean, the connection, the like i it's beautiful that mr like agent smith is always just well one always a mr anderson always he's never surprised to see neo but neo's always like oh my god what the fuck are you, why, why are you why are you here and he comments on it all the time um but but agent smith is a is a weird and different program right because like he's talking to morpheus there and he he why does he have this plan why does he feel like he needs to get out i, I think it's driven again by his he wants to set like he's very set satisfying purpose, right? Like that's if they're again, some, I guess a very machine, maybe cold way to approach it. But if something doesn't have purpose, then something else has to happen, right? And so he's like, I need to like in the first movie, he's like, I need you to tell me the Zion main mainframe codes so we can get in there, destroy Zion, and therefore my job is done, and I can go and do something else. But it's like, why is a program asking to go do? Something it's like, honestly really well he, set up, all things considered, because it mirrors the conversation that Neo has with the guy where he's like, I've never heard of a machine talk of love. Well, you sure have heard of fucking machine talk about hate a lot. If a, if a machine can spontaneously learn to hate humanity, wouldn't you think that they would be able to love, you know, whatever their, I guess, offspring? Does that even count? Who knows, right? Exactly, right? Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really cute, right? Like, the program's like, oh, what if we put this for loop here? Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like the whole concept of an exile is like you know a machine that wants to be when you know like self-preservation right? probably the most yeah. basic instinct right but like you know that's still like a thing that doesn't make sense for a program in, in a purely rational sense. well yes um yeah i want i, I I'm, I'm tossing this over in my head like you know like uh, one with everything right because like um smith absorbs neo and then like he explodes all the all the the ball right like from the inside and i i think there's something there but i don't quite i can't quite. i've heard i've heard a couple of things i've actually heard that that is the moment when neo merges with the source that smith has taken over so much of the matrix right that he is functionally the source and so actually smith thinks he's taking over neo but what he's doing is he's fulfilling the thing that the that the oracle or sorry that the, the, arch that the architect said right where um smith merging with neo or trying to take over neo is smith who is functionally the source assimilating the one into the source and rebooting the matrix but smith doesn't realize that's what he's doing i that's kind of where i subscribe but that's like a little bit of a reach i think i don't think it's super fully supported um i also think that there's just like a straight up reading of neo's N neo's sort of actualization as the as the one and ability to choose and free will is uh is the thing that gives him the power to break out i actually think that the other person who exhibits free will in this is smith right smith's thing in reloaded where he talks about you know like and i you know, I persisted, I'm unplugged or whatever, right? Where he talks about how he was sort of driven to merge back with the source, but refused that. I think that is also like an act of free will happening inside of inside of the Matrix or whatever. And so by Neo unlocking his own capability to have free will, he is able to, like, he is able to overcome Smith's 
assimilation of him, whereas the whole rest of the Matrix, where everyone else is still confined by determinism, they are unable to, to do that. Like I said, I like the first one of those better than the second, but those are the two theories I have heard about what is precisely taking place when Neo busts out of Smith. Um, on, on the, yeah, when Smith, yeah, he goes and he's like, oh, I'm unplugged, and he, and he says, I'm a new man. And it's also, like, I feel like there's just small, like, because one one that's like so really really quick like cherry pick so when neo first gets out and he's like doing all this kung fu training and whatnot like they all look at him and he's just man he's a machine <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just like it's like no yeah it's just like and and that's why i was like i love their like next like he he motions to him because they are the only beings that are traversing that kind of space like that line between program machine and human because I always, I like to, at first, I, I, I thought it was kind of like funny and definitely off-putting, which I, it, it should be, of how weird Bane acts all the time. <laughs> like, he does a fantastic Hugo Weaving impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Absolutely amazing. Um, but then I've also, I, like, I, I guess my, the, the way I'll, I'll explain that to myself, I guess to spend my disbelief, is I'm like, it's probably, because he, he kind of says, he's like, it's probably really weird for you to be inhabiting a human body and to like be like moving around and being like this is what humans say i uh where's neo <laughs> like he he's probably just that's probably why he's acting or like or at least that's again that's painted as like so so then like smith has found his, his way to like enter into the, the human realm and is like you know the one of all of all such many programs to ever do so and Neo finds himself going towards, you know, understanding the matrix, viewing the code, and literally reassimilating into the code and becoming part of the machine world again. It's just like I, I finally again, it's like one full connection. I, okay, I have one more. I have one more theory, and this is what I'm making up on the spot, just because I remembered when you, you said purpose. I was like, oh yeah, he talks about purpose. So this is the this is the quote from Reloaded when Smith comes back, right? Um, and he says, uh, you know, um, but as you all know, appears this can be deceiving, which brings me back to the reason why we're here. We're not here because we're free. We're here because we are not free. There is no escaping reason, no denying purpose, because as we both know, without purpose, we would not exist. And then they all go purpose that created us, connects us, pulls us or whatever. And at the very end, he says, we are here because of you, Mr. Anderson. We're here to take from you what you tried to take from us purpose. Right. Okay. So. My third theory that I sort of like is that because Agent Smith has made his purpose the destruction of Neo, paradoxically, absorbing Neo deletes Smith, right? Once he has absorbed Neo, Smith no longer has a purpose, and he essentially deletes himself. And him deleting himself frees, ev frees everyone, right? I think that is maybe my... That seems most plausible to me, actually. Like looking at looking at all those, I sort of like the first one the best because I think it's the coolest. Because you're kind of you know that then it's the Oracle tricking Smith into becoming the source and then whatever. But I don't think it's as well supported as Agent Smith accidentally deletes himself. <laughs> what a fucking dumbass! Uh, oh no, I dragged myself to the recycling bin. <laughs> 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 it's like a script it's a script 
It's always running, but all it does is it drags itself to the recycling bin uh, so that it can't function anymore. That's exactly what Smith does. I, we did it. Case closed, boys. <laughs> we solved, we solved the matrix. The matrix. <laughs> <laughs> you just oh, needed to you try turning it off and turning it back on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, man, I love the matrix. Talking about this stuff has been great. This has been maybe my favorite, you know, one of my favorite series of podcast episodes that we've done do you guys have any like have, like final thoughts i mean well so a couple of things okay um, i think so we're, we're over our standard time but i think we should talk a little bit about resurrection predictions um and real quick before that i i yeah i don't think any of you have like a playstation 5 or xbox series s um i played the matrix awakens for like half an hour uh, which is like the they announced it at the Game Awards. We can maybe talk about that a little bit if we want to. Um, uh, they showed a new trailer, and then they're like, and there's an Unreal 5 engine experience. I was like, oh, boy. And so I downloaded it, and it looks really pretty, but it's like a, not even like an on-rail shooter. It's like you literally like auto-target tires, and you hold down the right trigger. Um, and it looks very nice, and then it's like an Unreal Engine tech demo. Um, but the important thing, and you were out for this, uh, Jimmy, but... um is that, or at least the important thing to Ming, is that the graphics are very good, and, like, the, the cutscenes are, like, as, as good-looking as the CG in this trilogy, right? Like, from 20 years ago. So, you know, that's what's neat. Um, not a lot in terms of, like, content there, right? Like, there's, it's not like there's anything there that, like, um, matters, I think, story-wise. Um, but Resurrection Predictions, before we, we got on stream, um, we were talking about this a little bit. Um, Jimmy, I know you're not super excited about it. I'm not super excited about it. Um, buddy, uh, I think you're cautiously optimistic. I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm wholly, I'm just the, the copium right now, I guess, on okay. this podcast. <laughs> well, uh, Jimmy, uh, so like my objections are that are like reading tea leaves from reviews. So Jimmy, I feel like you have a principled objection and I want to hear it. Okay. Yeah. So again, I, I feel like it, it okay. So I, I've. Mango from talking before the cast that there's two trailers out. I've only seen one. I saw the one. I okay, and also here's I don't know if I've ever actually delineated this for you guys and like my approach to media, but like when it comes to like movies, TV shows, I like to go in literally as blind as possible because I, as soon as any kind of concept of expectations comes into my mind, you know, it's the it's the pundit square from zero punctuation, right? I feel like most of the time you're going to be disappointed. Um, so, so I tried for a long time to without looking at literally anything like if there was a poster if there was like a, like maybe it was running before a youtube channel or so, uh, before a video or something i'd like close the tab and like just go do something else um then i was i was forced to watch the trailer in front of shang chi and again like so it looks a little bit too i will i although the, yeah although i'll be basically eating my own words it looks a little bit too dragon ball z to me like it looked like to me that like I remember right now what's popping in my mind is like Trinity looks like she's kind of like surrounded by a few people and then like screams and like like sends out a sound wave to like or like a you know some kind of pulse to knock everybody away. You know, Neo's or, or Keanu's doing, you know, he looks he's got his John Wick uh look donned and is doing other kind of like Kamehameha things. And it just didn't I was like when I upon initial initial viewing, I was like, that's not what this is about. Like it's not about their like absurd sort of powers. It's like, you know. Again, these questions of philosophy, these like at like dissecting determinism, and also incredible kung fu. <laughs> like we can't all just like escape from that and 
I I have a couple points I just want to I want to make on the trilogy, but but then I'll finish up with uh, with Resurrections. And so with all that, I was just a bit skeptical. I was like, this looks. I think I'm gonna, I want to say it looks kind of cheap. But then I realized that again, it's going to go down to like the universe, the theme, and like this like general look of the universe. And so like of course in the beginning, you know, if you watch the first you know the first scene where you know we're entering like a and then you get into the room of trinity like the wall everything looks really dark but the walls are this like deep green and like it's like a it's like a, you know, a consistent running theme because you're looking at code like at the screens and you're looking at different screens when you go with like through the architect the architect panels and i just i feel like that lighting and that like kind of feel like that ambiance just wasn't there from when i was watching the trailer it looked like it looked like we're going to put a lot of, again, like a lot of lights everywhere. There's just beaming. We are going to give them all clothes that adjacent to, you know, the matrix that we knew and loved. And like, we're going to go into more of like a superhero direction aspect kind of ordeal because that's what's hot right now. These are all very, I want to say haterish comments. And again, I want to, I want to walk in. And hopefully be um, pleasantly surprised. But I, I will say that right now, I would not be surprised if I was let down terribly. <laughs> I, I, I am almost even afraid to be like, because I don't even know really the, like the plot or where this is supposed to go and fit in or like how it's even tied to the rest of this masterpiece. And so that's why that's what I what I find very interesting, right? Like, you know, the three films have a a pretty clear beginning, middle and end. Right. And um, it cuts on uh, a pretty straightforward sort of like ending point. And I don't know where they go from here, especially not with the old cast. But I I don't know. That's part that's part of the mystery, I guess. I think the easy answer is they at the end of the third movie, they said, the truth will hold for as long as it holds, essentially, right? So, like, mm. you know, the truth just, you know, like, you know, Keanu pops back out, and it's like, well, the truth isn't, somebody broke the truth, right? Like, um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure Keanu, or Keanu Neo is not the one. I think the one is going to be Trinity. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's probably true. That, that, that is the common thing that I've seen on Twitter, but as soon as I saw, this, this is not my take. Somebody else, I saw this on Twitter, and I was like, oh, 100%, that's real. Uh, like, yeah, no, that, like that seems very correct there was like a comment about like her being like um like her getting her due some or something and, and it's like oh that's what's gonna happen i am like well well we'll see this the new trailer gave me a little bit more hope it looked a little bit more interesting um of relevance to our earlier discussions there's a line where one of the blue hair hackers says uh, we don't use phone booths anymore which is a thing we talked about during the first episode. Yeah, there's also, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much out of that trailer for Jimmy, so I guess I won't too. There are some interesting callbacks that I think have potential. There's a, that's, that's a lot of where I'm at when it comes to the Matrix Res- Resurrections. Everything that I've seen has made me go, oh, well, that ha- that has potential, you know? But everything with potential also has potential to suck, so. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's literally my largest fear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's not like, you know, with Spider-Man No Way Home, just as a, as a you know, uh, a timely contrast, Spider-Man No Way Home lost me over time, 
right? Where I was first pretty interested, right? You know, oh, you're getting these casting out, cool, very, very, very cool. But then I started seeing like the trailers, and I saw the first trailer and the second trailer, and like at this point, I'm just like, I don't know. The the thing the thing that bothers me about that is this seems like a huge, big story, which is very at odds with what I want out of a Spider-Man, you know, story, right? Spider-Man is about fighting, you know, fighting the scorpion on your lunch period and you have an algebra exam in 20 minutes and can you beat up the scorpion and web them to the wall for the cops before you get back for, you know, your algebra test, right? Like that is, it's, it's so low to the ground that if that's the stuff that is like core Spider-Man drama to me. And, and this has been delivered, right? Like I think Spider-Man far from home delivered on this incredibly well, right? Even as they were doing this whole globe trotting adventure, because it was so deeply integrated into the school and into his relationship with, you know, MJ or whatever. And it's all about his, his trying to get away from, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, like the responsibilities of his superhero life by foisting off whatever this thing that he got from, from Tony Stark. Um, and so, the Matrix hasn't done that. The Matrix, every every time I've watched a trailer, I've been like, Whoa! oh, that could be really cool. And maybe it will be really cool, but I don't know. I guess it could also I guess it could also suck. I guess Dune Dune came through for me. Dune also, I had that feeling when I saw the Dune trailer, I was like, mm, mm. and then I loved every second of Dune, so okay. Yeah, it, it, it's funny to me because Spider-Man kind of did the opposite thing for me. Like, like the later, tra- like because the later trailer kind of like revealed what the actual plot was instead of like leaving it hanging. Um, mm-hmm. I think it brings it back down to ground level, right? It's about you know Doc Ock and Electro, like Peter Parker not wanting to condemn them to death, right? Which is like heavy, but it's small scale, right? Like it, it seems like the 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 big thing is, is at least it's what the second trailer implies that the big thing isn't isn't the the kind of like big catastrophe around the spell not working it's about the lives of these two people that uh you know are going to be negatively affected but uh yeah. you know i i guess that's fair that's that's you know i'm, I'm gonna I, see these I, movies i, I get that i am definitely movies. seeing it this weekend though i schedule i just realized that i scheduled my booster shot for the same day that i scheduled to watch spider-man so <laughs> that's uh that's that's risky i was not that is yeah. the day after my booster um, <laughs> okay I'm seeing I'm seeing them both next week. I'm seeing The Matrix on the 23rd and uh, Spider-Man on Christmas Eve. Um, nice. I think I'm going to see I have yeah. muted. I have muted all of Twitter for this stuff so that I don't get... Because one of my things is I actually haven't been looking at reviews for The Matrix Resurrections, um, which maybe would, like, influence, you know, whatever. But um, I've muted my Twitter for, like, all of, like, Spider-Man and the the Matrix stuff so that I don't fucking see it. Good, 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 good. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm gonna watch Resurrections if it comes on the 23rd when it comes out. Um, gonna see it with my brother and nephew. I think we want to do like a. I don't. I, I we toss it up as like either we'll all watch the films individually before we watch Resurrections, or we might just do a marathon. And I'm totally down to marathon again. Again, this is my favorite trilogy of movies that exists. Um, my uh, what 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 piece together in my head from. The the Resurrections trailer, from what I saw, is like the the plotline that yeah that was generated was just that um like it's gonna do the whole like well what if Neo actually took the blue pill, and like just stayed in the Matrix for a little bit longer a little bit longer but then he keeps coming back to the fact like he keeps 
seeing a white bunny he keeps like the essence of him being the one is so is like continuously recurring and that's why he's old and basically goes through the whole aspect holy again. shit I, if that is real that's that's nuts that's an I, amazing pitch for a matrix sequel, in my opinion. I if mean, it's just it, entirely like, in a different like universe, yeah, like a, like, a bifur- like a bifurcation. Um, because I mean, it all comes down to choice. But then he can't escape his actual destiny, whatever. Um, that would be a we'll profound see. negation of of the trilogy if he can't actually choose. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, I well, guess, I, just you know, on the level to... of a what if, I think that that's like really compelling. What if Neo just chooses to take the blue pill every fucking time? And like, that's a question I kind of want to know the answer to. I wow, interesting. I I've never heard that theory, but that is really interesting. <laughs> well, we'll again, we'll see what they spin out. Um, and then the the quick other side points is that for revolutions, I really just want to shout out to Niobe and Trinity, these kick ass women who get fucking work done and like just go so hard the entire movie. Niobe is an amazing captain, like pilots the hammer through that entire onslaught of, of machines attacking them. And you know, they, they consistently say, well, no one, no one can maneuver through a mechanical line. Shut up. Shut <laughs> up, bitch. Niobe, like, like Morpheus, sit in that chair, just shut, shut the fuck up. I'm going to shout where, out. Where, what, I, I remember the name of the commander. Or lo- the the third guy, the third captain. Yeah, the third guy who who was like, oh, "I'm not giving you, I'm not throwing away my ship." And Niobe's like, "I will take the logos." I was like, "Yeah, Niobe." Yeah, I- honestly, you're right. Niobe is a true fucking baller character. You know, even I- though she's really minor, all things considered, it's like it's yeah. because yeah, like he because he, he had just gone on that rant, and then he's like, "You can't do that," and she's like, "Don't you dare try to tell me what I can't and can't do." with my ship he just it's said like, yeah he just said that too he and, says well it's my and ship and i'm not letting you take it and it's just beautiful i'm just like you fucking tell him exactly right like shut up little boy and then trinity again like just die for her man doesn't care at all can't doesn't want to play these stupid games like i'll just we'll all die right here kill the merovingian she pilots the entire ship so that they can get to the goddamn machine city they they Neos. pilot they they fly above the cloud line. I love that moment. I, uh, I, I love, uh, I love mm. that moment. So and then yeah. So now I want to get into a little, a little little bit of Matrix history. And so I know that you guys kind of brought it up already. I think um, if you if you both haven't watched, I think Mango you brought it up. But the Animatrix, mm. absolutely beautiful series on Netflix. I think or it's still there. Have you watched it, buddy? I watched it a long time ago. I, I haven't Same, watched I it. I haven't watched it recently. Well, it's just it's so much fun. It's got a lot of like uh it's a it's like i think it has i think all of it is a pre-series but it's different shorts from different studios and all their kind of own interpretations on the matrix Mm -hmm. so i remember the first episode is backstory on the osiris which is the transmission that we retrieves um telling them that the machines are burrowing that so that's why they have that meeting in the reloaded and yeah, so right that's kind of reloaded, yeah. Because it's like a it's a it's like a three D rendering scene. They're like like the captain and like his like lover on his team is like we're fighting in a Japanese tea garden, which is so fun. Then they get out, go get the message, and then transmit it. And what's fun is that that leads into then. So nigga, you're talking about the new Matrix game on I guess PS five. Not a game. Um, did you? Oh, sorry. It's a tech, uh, it's a tech demo. But oh, a tech demo. Cool. Um, 
But I don't know if you guys played Enter the Matrix on the PS2. Well, Enter the, that's where Morpheus dies, right? No, that's I Matrix that Online. The... Oh, okay. All right. I've made this mistake. I did read a plot summary cast. of the Matrix Online. Um. <laughs> so, so Enter the Matrix, I think, was... Well, so yeah, there's, there's two Matrix games, I believe, that came out on PS2. The first one is Enter the Matrix, and it's kind of... I remember getting it and being like kind of weird because you play as Niobe's team. So you play as Niobe, you play as Ghost, and then the operator is Spark, um, you know, the, the crew of the Logos. And what's fun in that is that you actually go through... Um, well, one is, like, the major enemies that you encounter are actually all, like, Merovingian goons. So, like, you're... Because, like, I remember playing and being like, why are these guys vampires? <laughs> like, I don't remember there being any vampires but whatever but then what's fun about that is that you go through the you go through the trial of niobe actually retrieving that message from the osiris which is super like that's like the that's like the end of the that's the end of the game which leads you to them being like wait like what message is she talking about final transmission um and and then yeah and then the animatrix just also goes into you know beautiful like they talk about that kid that neo that that neo uh frees and it comes and tries to find him a different spoon um and uh it's just like all just beautiful media kind of just attached to attached to the matrix and, and it's and it's history the final thing I, I love to say about revolutions and what really i guess perspective and now i you know i i, I won't dismiss it i'm just like this trilogy is amazing my order still goes reloaded the matrix because of of course of how monumental and pivotal it is. and then revolution still deserves to be up there because i love seeing a sad movie and i love when the stakes are really high and sure, we spend about maybe sixty to seventy percent of the movie in like in the human world or like in the real world and like fighting these squiddies. Um, but it's incredible. The shots are beautiful. The APU units are wonderful. That entire just like like firing like that, and the humans get fucked. And that's <laughs> amazing. Like every single second, so high intensity, and there's so like you know you could say there's so much. And there is because literally the fate of humanity yeah <laughs> like like you know that you feel like you know the the so a, a callback i guess to the animatrix and was kind of fun so when the drill first breaks through the breaks through the hole breaks through the dock and you know we have all the guns they're pointing at the hole all the apus are there and we're just decimating the machines right like they're they came to get through but then but then they start straggling through okay well you know there's just a few of them but then you watch the first apu go down all right, well, oh, wait, there's, there's like a whole fleet of them. Oh, wait, that was just their like initial kind of swarm. Oh, my God, now you have this giant hive of machines and they knock over your radio station. And, okay, well, we fix one drill. Or we, 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 we nix one drill. That one's not working. Oh, well, now there's a second one. Like, oh, we need to retreat from the, like, oh, we, we got in. Like, she's, Niobe's sliding around trying to get to the gate. That, you know, I love Captain Buffoni. He's such a strong character. He gets against so much flavor. He valiantly dies. That that shot of him, like, with that giant swarm coming at him. <laughs> like, I, I, get, I never... Like, cut up by all of the... Yeah, I'll, I, like, like again, like, I, I just... So much adrenaline pumping me. His speech right before, he's like, he's like, you know, if we're gonna die, let's at least give him hell. Then, Like, I, I had never been so amped to be a human. Besides, when Morpheus is in the, the cave... And give that speech. Oh my god! I just, I, I literally like, I need to like do relapse after that. After that speech, it's just so amazing. <laughs> and so, and that's what I love. Right? Like, I, 
I, if a movie can convince me that like, oh wait, like main characters might die. Like there's actual stakes and people like people that you like maybe even slightly know, right? Like Z and uh, her friend who, you know, take out that first drill and then shoot off the other one. You know, like, I, like they escaped the first time. The second time, the, the tentacles are coming down and Z's like dodging left and right. And her friend just gets murked, just absolutely destroyed. And it really just brings back, like, it, it, it feels like, wow, we really are about to get decimated here. And it's, and it's absurd and terrible. And that's going to go into the, there's an Animatrix episode about, um, it's, like, it's like a cartoon. And it talks about the establishment of the war between um, uh, man and robot. And it's, like, it goes into, like, the trial. It's basically like an iRobot kind of thing. The robot like accidentally killed like accidentally killed somebody and they go to trial and the robots they make they make their own make their own city it's it's like city zero zero one it's so cute and then they like you know stop short economy start having a GDP start becoming a world force all this all this kind of business <laughs> and then and then and then they get to war and it's like oh well you know time is progressing so what a really fun part was that like you see human technology so you're like oh yeah like you see the AP you see, we have like you know these really like these like beams that come together and make a focus and shoot this giant laser of destruction and like you see the initial the initial shots of like the robots and it looks like we're really messing up. and then it all switches because they just never stop and they advance their tech and they just viscerally decimate all humans that stand in front of them like it's when you start seeing the things that like walk around the pick up like pick up. The eggs to like be harvesters yeah 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 Yeah. that you start seeing those and you're just like oh 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 we're gonna lose this and then that is is when we hit underground we go subterranean because as morpheus says in the beginning we torch the sky damn and then that's what makes it so beautiful that trinity and neo are the only ones to ever see the actual sun and be above Right. Brief second, and it's just this beautiful, harmonious, like little bit. And then I love that it's just it descends back into the cold, terrible reality of what they need to go and do. It's, well, uh, thank you so much for coming out of the cast, Jimmy. This is great. I'm so glad that we could we could get get together. <laughs> I, I I will only reemphasize that, please. If you need, if you would like a voice on literally any other topic, I I would do this for funsies. <laughs> all right well with that um we're gonna call it um again thank you for joining us jimmy um remember to email your questions about anything we talked about on this cast or for the big 300 episode spectacular to podcasts at subversivegames.com or um uh subversivegames at gmail.com i'll rate review us on all the sites and all that good stuff um uh jimmy where can people find you or do you want people to find you um, I do have a Twitter. I do have an Instagram. My Twitter is Jambin Jambo. Oh no, my Twitter is Sir Jambo. My Instagram is Jambin Jambo. I can give you the links. Um, I don't post on them any ever, but I plan to <laughs> yeah, in you, the retweet, you retweet the podcast, which is you retweet the podcast. I constantly retweet the podcast, post on Facebook, and I, I do want to get a little things. So so yeah, I'll send you the All right. Awesome. So yeah, and thanks for having me. It's been it's been a ton of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> And buddy, you have anything you want to promote before we get out of here? I do have I do have big promotions this week because I am streaming 
and movie night is this week those are now i guess linked on fridays because it's normally every other but whatever i don't know how that happened so the stream this week that i'm doing for uh aquapara games twitch.tv slash aquapara games is a special in development stream this is why i want to mention it um i'm going to be streaming absolute tactics which is a game of ours uh that i've talked about um and it's coming out next year and uh we did a demo but i and which i played on stream but i'm actually going to be showing the game itself uh and kind of picking up in the middle and playing through a couple of the a couple of the missions i've been playtesting the game on hard just to prove like whether or not people like is hard too hard sometimes hard is too hard uh, so i'm very excited uh to do that this friday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern um also on friday after that is Akupar Movie Night, which is obviously voted on by members of the Akupar community. And I put up a bunch of Christmas movies and they chose Nightmare Before Christmas. So that's what we're watching. The Nightmare Before Christmas at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, so if you want a little... I think this is going to be the last movie night of the year because I don't think we're doing one... Uh, on Christmas Eve. Yeah, No, it'll be on New Year's Eve. Um, is the is like the other, the other is like the next year. Friday after that yeah so this is the is the final one of 2021 and if you want to come by and hang out please please do so all right well with that I'm gonna say until next time dear listeners until next time loyal listeners. <laughs>